What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and thank you for joining us once again. Yeah, this morning we have a, a topic that we haven't talked about before, grace in aging. Awaken as you grow older. My guest today is Kathleen Dowling-Singh. Kathleen is a longtime Dharma practitioner, a psychotherapist, and a spiritual growth mentor. She's written some books that some of our faculty have just loved and is the author of a book called The Grace in Dying, How We Are Transformed Spiritually as We Die, and also The Grace in Aging, Awaken as You Grow Older. She's written numerous articles, um, reflections about this topic, and she's in great demand as a speaker about spiritual transformation and the process of getting older. Um, Kathleen, I'm so honored to have you here this morning. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Kate. I'm glad to be here. You know, Kathleen, as I mentioned before, you know, you, we've, we've heard about you because of the beauty and, and, and power, really, of the ideas that you work with and the way that some of our faculty have been exploring the topic of transformation through aging and have been really using your, especially the book, The Grace in Aging, as, as a, a kind of a, a reference and a text. And I think it might be nice for our listeners if we just start out by having you tell us a little bit of your background and, and how you came to this topic. Well, the, the first way I came to this topic, Kate, really is aging. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> My friends are getting old. I'm part of the baby boomer um, generation. There's 75 million of us. And um, I've seen a, a, a lot of, of people my age uh, have to reckon with some of the predictable sufferings of life. There's uh, aging, illness, and death that are, are are our predictable sufferings. And every single one of those three, aging, illness, and death, is a great teacher if, if we know how to skillfully uh, take in and allow the lessons. So I think the grace in aging arose because... I've seen so many people in my generation. We grew up in an incredibly transformative time, the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, civil rights, women's liberation, the introduction of all kinds of Eastern wisdom traditions to America. And I think a lot of people in my age group have, um, at the very least, flirted with the idea of awakening and uh I, I, the impetus to write the book came from my recognition that this is the last possible time we have if we wish to awaken these last years of our lives. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And it certainly puts it into context to think about it from the perspective of, of a whole generation, actually, of people who um, came of age in a transformative time and who have been thinking about awakening in one way or another for decades. You know, I, I really appreciate the background that you just shared. Um, what, as, as, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, we do. We all fall under the influence that there's time uh, that you know we we can uh, live our lives, have our fun, uh, and that there's time somewhere in the future to um, to plummet our depths, and and we do have a tendency to to put it off and into later and. All of the great Buddhist teachers remind us that there's one very blunt one from the Tibetan tradition who who says, this is no time to sleep, you fools, you know? And I think that even something as simple as a startling look in the mirror one day uh, allows us to recognize that the future we had always imagined is foreshortened. I mean, we're, as we age, we live in a time where we watch our children go gray, we um, lose our friends, uh, we ourselves may may suffer serious illness. Certainly, um, we're less relevant in in a busy world, and. You know, one of the luxuries of, a, of aging, as far as I'm concerned, is that we've carved out the time and space to practice in, in, a, in ways that may not have been available to us before when our lives were busier. You know, uh, uh, you, when, you, when you speak about awakening and this idea of practice, um, what does it really mean to you, actually, Kathleen, to choose to awaken? As you're at this time of life. Well, well, it's a wonderful question because words like awakening and enlightenment and non-dual consciousness, they're all around. And they're the spiritual buzzwords. And I, I think many, many people hold um, awakening as somehow be, beyond their attainment, beyond their grasp. And part of the message I'm always trying to to uh, share with people is that it's it's much more ordinary and much more accessible than than we think. And by awakening, I don't mean like a a technicolor event, you know, where we, we become bejeweled Buddhas. Uh, all I'm talking about is um, releasing the attention that has been trapped for so many of the decades of our lives in self-reference, ego, you could say. And it it is such a limited experience of being. And it's it's filled with with a great deal of unease, just general unease, in, in addition to the predictable sufferings of aging, illness, and death. And I think... I think everyone has had intimations that there is an awareness and a depth and a peacefulness uh, that's beyond the the small little universe of ego. We've all had tastes of it, and I think those tastes are precisely what gives rise to our hunger for more. Our 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 intention to awaken into simply a, a more sane, more easeful, peaceful relationship with whatever is arising in each moment. And I, I also certainly think that 
you know, as we um, acknowledge, not just intellectually, but really acknowledge in, in the depths of our being, at the level of our heart, that, that we don't have that many years left. I, I think the, um, the, there's an urgency, an increased urgency to the longing. You know, that increased urgency, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I want to hear you say more about that. So a, a way of saying it back to you is, as I come to a later time of my life, I feel an increased urgency about experiencing my, myself in the world differently. How, how would, what is the urgency about? The urgency, I think, is to get out of the uh, the painful limitation of of living only in self reference. Um, it's it's kind of a, oh, it's such a frivolous waste of what this human life is about. In in some ways, the book, the the grace and aging, relates to the previous book, the grace and dying, because mm-hmm. I, I worked with people at the end of their lives for about a decade, and. As a long-time meditator, um, what I began to notice is that I was observing the same changes in people at the end of their lives in a very telescoped, foreshortened way that you would see in long-time meditators over over the course of of years of practice. And specifically what that would would look like would be watching people come close to the end of their lives and letting go of everything that isn't essential anymore. I mean, at the end of life, nobody worries about whether they made more money or did they pick the right wall color for the living room. You know, everything inessential is stripped away because of the urgency and the um the compelling uh the compelling recognition that the self has no control when death comes to call the self gets dismantled actually and and you know that that self-reference, you know, living in a world of self-reference, you know, uh, isn't is that a, a way of talking about, um, you know, the world of achievers, right? The the world the world of um, of su- success, you know, the the idea of, you know, I am making a name for myself. I'm I'm in a career. I'm I'm this is who I am in the world, that ego-centered self that's in a relationship to, um, uh, I guess, an external standard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that we hang ourselves on, on, a, on a meat hook of suffering when um, we think, that's who we are. But ego arises in, in, in the simplest forms. You know, it's like um, you can be driving down the highway and there's an accident and the self-referential mind will say, oh, Lord, now that'll make me late for my appointment. 
You know, it's taking in whatever arises in terms of what it means to me. Do I want it? Do I want to grasp it and keep it? Do I want to push it away? Um, it, it, it's taking every single moment that arises and, and looking at it through the, through the lens of whether or not it, it satisfies my, my um, desires or um, prevents me from uh, being able to control a situation. Ego is very pervasive. And you asked earlier, Kate, um, about a practice. Really, a a practice is is very simple. It's simply a method of um, quieting our minds enough to observe the dynamics of our mind, to look at how we create a sense of self, to look at the um, constructed nature of a sense of self, uh, to step back into the awareness that that's observing those dynamics, and to begin to recognize that that we have a choice where we want to play place our attention in um, in unconsciousness or consciousness, you could say, in sleepwalking or in being awake. What's how does how does one? I know we're going to take a break here in a moment, but how does one? begin you know i liked that reference you made to this uneasy feeling of there's something more and time becomes urgent as we age in terms of uh, you know the time is now so how do, how does one begin this practice well by cultivating that longing and cultivating that intention and um committing oneself to Simply sitting, uh, there are so many authentic transformative practices available to us now in um, in the United States. We're we're at the you know every wisdom tradition has gathered here, and we're in the fortunate position of of being able to choose a a, a transformative practice that that resonates with us for many christians it's it's centering prayer um practices with within the various buddhist lineages are authentic transformative practices they're available all i mean you can do a google search and and find you know a hundred thousand links to introductory meditation practices but it's just that commitment to sit even if you only begin five minutes a day and increase it by a minute every day but to to just sit for the purpose of looking at who am i who who do I think I am? What is this longing? What 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 meaning do do I give these tastes that I've had of an awareness beyond just self? It, it, it's that simple. Thank you. You know, um, you said something as you were sort of opening up about um, the the predictable sufferings of aging, illness, and death. And it's sounding to me like what you're really saying is that, yes, these are predictable sufferings and they create a real opening for awakening and for a, a different way of experiencing life. Um, I, I wonder, Kathleen, you know, as you, as you do your work, what's, what's the most common question that you hear from people who 
are moving into this awakening? Or maybe just the a common question. common question. What, the most common feeling I find is that people come up against their own sense of unworthiness and doubt that awakening is possible for them. And you could almost say that the greatest part of spiritual growth is um, healing, healing the, the wounds that we've carried around for decades. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done, primarily about our sense of unworthiness. And curiously, every ego has a sense of unworthiness because because it is incomplete. It 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 feels separate. It feels separate from others. It feels separate from from the sacred. It has a sense of insufficiency, and and our our little minds translate that as unworthiness. That's the most common thing that I find, and it's the most common um, practice that I recommend to people, is, is that they sit and examine this sense of unworthiness with an incredibly tender compassion to watch where it arose, to see the, the narratives that gave rise to it, and um, to let go of them. To, to recognize that we don't have to believe our thoughts, no, no matter how many decades we've given credence to them. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying listening to you talk about this. I think that for um, people who have been practicing um, meditation or a spiritual path, this is probably very familiar and reassuring. And for those who haven't haven't yet moved in that direction, I'm really hearing an invitation uh, from you, Kathleen, to, um, to begin to heal those wounds and to, to see the spiritual path as a way of, um, I don't know, letting go. And I think well, maybe when we come back after our break, we'll talk a little bit about what it means to, to let go of thoughts. Absolutely. And- <laughs> Absolutely. You're exactly right. That's what a spiritual path is, learning to let go. <laughs> Well, I I know that we're coming up on our first break. For those of you who are listening, I just want to remind you that um, Kathleen Dowling-Singh is um, the author of The Grace in Aging, The Grace in Dying. She's a longtime Dharma practitioner and a mother and a grandmother. She has a lot of perspective and wisdom to share with us today. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to dive in even deeper. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. 
We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back. As you know, I'm talking today with Kathleen Dowling-Singh, and we were talking just before we took a break about um, really moving toward the spiritual path. Um, if you've ever experienced a, a sense of spiritual longing, how that that desire can become even more urgent as you move into the aging process, as all of us are all of the time. We were talking right before the break about, um, you know, learning how to let go. And learning how to especially let go of, of the wounds we've carried with us for decades. And Kathleen pointed out that we all have them. And um, that, 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 that that's the biggest concern people have, Kathleen, when they come and talk to you is, is about a sense of unworthiness, a sense of, um, I don't know if I could really do this. Um, and so learning how to, to move beyond that. So I wanted to go back to this, this discussion of um, letting go. And and ask you to say a little bit, Kathleen, about um, what it looks like when somebody decides to uh, move down this path, and what are they really letting go of? Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> millions of mistaken beliefs. Um, the primary one of which is our belief that we exist. Um, separate from other beings and separate from the sacred. Uh, That's that's the mother of all mistaken beliefs. And um, it is ingrained after after years of um, 
living within ego, within, within self-reference. And don't get me wrong, it's necessary to develop a, a healthy enough ego. We, we need it to navigate the world, to function in it. Um, and a spiritual path isn't necessarily at war with ego at all. Um, a spiritual path is, is seeing the ego as exactly what it is. Um, you could almost say like a survival operating system, a survival mode. And I, the, the analogy I came up with a couple of years ago is that when we live within ego and we live within the survival operating system, we live our lives as if we were a, a smartphone that we perpetually keep on an airplane setting. <laughs> and all we have is the old recycled stuff in the smartphone. You know, in, in self, in the, in self's universe, the universe self creates in its paradigm. All we have is our recycled thoughts. Uh, you know, our prides, our jealousies, our shames, all of the old stories that we've told ourselves that lead us to, to believe that we are who we believe we are. Um, and meditation, a meditation practice, allows us to switch off that airplane setting and, and connect with um, something far greater than we are, which is why I'm always so grateful that most people have had intimations of um, a presence or an awareness beyond self. Because having had those tastes, we recognize that we have an option, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. the desire to, to live in awareness um, where attention is freed from being trapped in self, that desire, I believe, grows in us as we age. It's forced on us as we die. And so as we age, um, we have to make our own choice choiceless to grow. When, when I worked with the dying, I came up with a, a really simple paradigm, and, you know, people could describe it thousands of different ways, but I described it very simply as people moving through a progression um, from chaos, you know, all of the anguishing emotionality, the emotional roller coaster of living with a terminal prognosis to a moment of surrender, which is a hard-earned moment. But it's a surrender of everything, as I said earlier, that's inessential. It's a surrender of any illusion that our egos have had of being in control of this whole thing. It's, it's a surrender of, of who we believed ourselves to be. And that moment of surrender in itself, that willingness to let go in a deep, 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 thorough way of self-reference, it leads us directly into transcendence and, or beyond self. It, it, it leads us into greater awareness. There, there's a beautiful Christian mystic, um, Cynthia Bergeau, who talks about the gesture of surrender as, you know, not necessarily a formal practice, 
but a practice to engage in throughout, throughout each day. And it's just, um, oh, it's so simple. It's just ma- maintaining a mindfulness of our thoughts, a mindfulness of, of each desire or aversion as, as, as it arises, and cultivating the willingness to surrender that thought just cultivating the willingness to surrender it. I think in very imagistic terms, and so, you know, the way I began practicing it was to just notice a, a, um, a self-referenced kind of reactivity in myself and just imagine that it was like uh, the letting go of the string of a balloon. Just a simple willingness to, to surrender our constant self-reference. Uh, that does begin to change us. It does um, drop our sense of who we are and also our sense of what the spiritual journey is about. It just drops us to the level of our heart. And that that's when we really begin to mature on a spiritual journey, when we're no longer um, intellectualizing it with all of our confusions and all of, as I mentioned earlier, our sense of unworthiness. But we can begin to actually, like, humbly and with gratitude, um, begin to embody it. And that gratitude is a very powerful feeling state because within gratitude for our own minute steps of awakening in each moment, our unworthiness begins to dissolve. You know, I use the word grace a lot, and uh, I use it largely because it's an ecumenical kind of word, and I speak to lots of different audiences. And by grace, I simply mean the sacred. And um, as we engage in that gesture of surrender, of all of our thoughts and our beliefs and our unexamined assumptions, we do land more and more in the heart. And we recognize grace there. We recognize the sacredness that permeates each of our own beings. You know, what during the break, Kathleen, we were talking briefly about um, how often people who move into learning about meditation, about uh, consciousness and awakening, um, be, first do so intellectually. So it's sort of something you might read about or you might you might try out and think about. Um, I know people who listen to books on tape and, uh, you know, really try to understand the concepts. But then there's um, the difference between sort of getting it intellectually and actually practicing. And you mentioned to me that um, the transformative aspect really happens when we have shifted from intellectualizing to embodying or practicing being um, in, in this in this way, and I'm so I'm I'm giving that whole long prelude as a way of asking you. Um, I imagine that there are people listening who would really love to drop into their heart and to be able to access, um, you know, their own spiritual wisdom and awakening, um, and yet find themselves thinking about it a lot or sort of doing it intellectually. Um, how do we let go? 
of the thinking and really practice the being? Uh huh. It's a beautiful question, and it is a known stage on on the spiritual journey. I I I think of it as a very pivotal stage, actually, and I, I call it from seeking to the end of seeking. Right, and when we begin seeking, we can't begin it other any other way um, than you know, pretty much totally ensconced in self. Um, and uh, relying, uh, as we have for decades, upon conceptual mind. And so we all begin exactly the way um, you're expressing, Kate. We all, we all begin with gathering new ideas, reading, listening, going to teachings, observing what resonates with us. What resonates with us is is really important to be able to recognize because that's our own heart calling. That's our longing calling. And, you know, the older I get, the more I really see that the longing that we feel in our heart is, is, is grace itself. You know, we feel from the separate uh, perspective of ego that we're longing and, um, Really and truly, grace is calling to us in that longing. That longing isn't other than grace. And I think that there comes a time as we still more, as we quiet more, as we stop judging ourselves as unworthy more, we begin to recognize um as I said, that there is a sacred quality in 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 each of us. We're not other than the sacred, and we do begin to embody it. We shortchange ourselves when we have an insight, and we don't embody it. Um, there was a oh, I forget. I think she was a ninth century Christian mystic, Ter- Teresa of Avila, and she said. Um, the gifts he grant us grants us require that we embody them. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, it's the kinds of questions that we would ask ourselves in some real, in the stillness of some real, honest self-reflection. What is it I know to be true? And am I am I living it? Not, not to judge ourselves for the moments that we don't live it, because we're, we're all on a learning curve, but to very gently nudge ourselves into increasingly living in all of the, you know, large and small, hidden and open moments of our days. Am I living what I know to be true? Is there, is there, um, you know, asking ourselves questions like, what does it feel like to be um, suddenly collapsed into selfishness? And how does that feel when I juxtapose it to um, moments of, that I've experienced of loving kindness? What's the difference in those feeling tones, in, in my body, in my awareness? Which one has ease and which one doesn't? You know, and to ask, okay, here's the deal. We make the path our own when we ask the questions about ourselves. 
Thank you. Thank you. I would love to, if, if you would be willing, Kathleen, to share maybe just a little glimpse of your path, you know, like a moment that you had that really, really helped you see something, um, or maybe it was a struggle that you moved through. Oh, I've had plenty of struggles, because the spiritual path isn't easy, uh, That that's for sure. But, you know, I, I can share a beautiful moment that I had a couple of years ago, and it had to do with my own sense of unworthiness and an anxiety that I felt often about that unworthiness. And one day in meditation, my mind was very, very still, which is in itself a a blessing because it's only from a still mind that we can see clearly. And I saw... Not visually, but but saw in terms of recognizing the whole constellation of thoughts and emotions that were wrapped up in that belief in my unworthiness. And all of a sudden came the insight that that belief was an incredibly powerful obstruction to grace operating through me. It was an obstruction. It was an interference pattern. And my very believing the truth of my unworthiness kept it alive and powerful as an interference pattern. And in the next moment, I saw it as an ingratitude for the grace that has always been in my life and has always led me and is in every moment. And the second I saw it as ingratitude, I kind of laughed to myself in the meditation. And in large measure, the entire habit pattern dissipated. That's a wonderful story. That's, you know, as you're telling that story, I'm trying it on, you know, thinking about my own unworthiness pattern and what it would be like to um, to see it and, and, and release it. And I realized as I tried it on how attached I actually might be to it. <laughs> oh, no, isn't that the truth? We completely identify with it. Yes. We, yeah, we identify it. This is who I am, Kathleen, you know, condemned to unworthiness for all eternity. You know, and all it is, it's like old ingrained neural patterns, and we've put words on them. And, you know, the mind has a capacity to endow belief. And to me, it's like investing. If I'm endowing belief in a really crummy, damaging um neural pattern, I really want to take my my belief money out. I don't want to believe it anymore, and we don't have to. And, <laughs> you know, part of it, for. too, I think, Kate, is a recognition. There's an incredible liberation in recognizing that each and every one of us is a completely ordinary human being. You know, with all of our foibles and all of our, um, oh, all of our fumbling, 
I, I often think there wouldn't be words for all the different shades of anger if everyone didn't know them. You know, we only have words for what's common to us. Mm, great And so point. Each, of, each of us is looking at a human mind in its unique variation, and our, our spiritual path is, is work, it's healing the only mind we can heal. Beautiful. Well, we're going to take a break right now, Kathleen. When we come back for our last segment, I really want to dig in even deeper into this idea of letting go and, and okay. awakening. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. I'm glad you're with us today. I'm speaking, as you know, with Kathleen Dowling Singh, who is really guiding us through an understanding of um, awakening as you grow older. And um, we're referring to her, her work, her two books, The Grace in Dying and The Grace in Aging, but also to her deep life experience and her, um, 
her observations of her own life and others. And, you know, Kathleen, we've been talking about um, this idea of, of, of awakening, about letting go of your attachment, really, to things that aren't essential, and especially to the wounds and the um, sense of unworthiness that we carry with us. Um, and, are, and as we, as I pointed out, are quite attached to. Um, I would love to ask you about something you write quite a bit about, um, the conditions that create awakening. You know, can you say something about the, what those conditions are? Yes, I can. Um, I, I had said earlier that, that sitting with so many people who were dying, I, I saw that they were going through the same transformations in a very uh, foreshortened way as, as long-time meditators would go through. And I began thinking over the years about the conditions that people face at the end of their lives um, as conditions that catalyze spiritual transformation. And in a way, that was the, um, the, the birth of the, of the thoughts to write the book, The Grace and Aging. How can, how can we take the conditions that are present as we die um, and bring them into our lives as we're aging. I mean, one of the things that we want to do and is to, to be able to face the predictable sufferings of aging uh, with a greater degree of peace and equanimity, uh, it, rather than doubling the sufferings with our ego resistance and and with our um well frankly with our ignorance of uh, of the way things actually are in in reality and i i began to think okay what what are the causes and conditions that that facilitate awakening and in, in large part talking about those causes and conditions is what the grace and aging is about. There, there's a withdrawal. You, you can think of it as all that a, a person with a terminal illness withdraws from, all of the outward activities in the world, all of the accomplishments, all of the hopes and dreams they had for the future they imagine, even um, a withdrawal from the appearance that they had come to take to be themselves. And we can incorporate some times of withdrawal in, into these aging years of our lives deliberately for the purpose of awakening. And when we do that, we liberate ourselves from the habits, that the mindless habits that run us when we're engaged in nothing but busyness. We just go like an automaton in in busyness, and withdrawal allows us to um, free ourselves a bit from the habitual patterns of of, of mind and action and, and emotion. And I do suggest to people that they they take some time to uh, you know perhaps perhaps retirement is new. Perhaps your life isn't so defined by, you know, the Monday through Friday rush. Uh, and to, to name these years of aging as, 
as as a retreat, explicitly for the purpose of waking up. Silence is is another condition that um, you see predominate with someone close to the end of his or her life. You know, um, idle gossip isn't present. Uh, whatever's spoken is essential and and meaningful. There have been so many people who, for whatever reason, were unable to utter the words, I love you, um, in their lives. And those are some of the only words that are said as someone's dying. And I think silence encourages us to... um, to look at what's essential. What, what, what are the thoughts we speak to ourselves? What are the thoughts that we speak, the words that we speak to others? And is, are my speech, is my speech and are my thoughts in service to awakening or are they in service to keeping my ego comfortable? And I think it's, I know many people who do it, who practice like a morning or an afternoon each week of silence, simply to, to quiet their own minds, to, to get to discover what needs healing, to have the, um, the peace within to, to heal our own wounds with, with some tenderness and, and some compassion. I think solitude you can um, think of the solitude that that the dying endure, especially through you know the hours of the night seem like days and weeks. They're long and complete solitude. And what we do in in solitude is is liberate ourselves from our attachment. It's a painful process. I, I mean, to the degree that we're attached to this flesh and, and this body and all of the things to which we're attached, we're snagged and, and we're not free. And, and solitude allows some liberation. Um, more conditions. You also see people who are dying engaging in, in forgiveness. It, it it just doesn't matter anymore. I worked with an older woman once from New York who said that her only living relative was her sister, and she said, "I hated her from the cradle, from the cradle, and I'm going to hate her to the grave." <laughs> and she stuck with that through weeks and weeks and weeks of coming closer to dying, and you know, a few days before she died. She called her sister, and all she expressed to her was was love. And I think to cultivate, uh, to to deliberately practice, even or if it's only for fifteen minutes a a week, to deliberately engage in a forgiveness practice. You know, I forgive all those who've harmed me through their ignorance and confusion. Um, I ask all those I've harmed to forgive me for my ignorance and confusion, and to forgive ourselves. Forgiveness, um, it holds us back. It keeps us from um, moving beyond self. 
And I think one of the things that I observed also with dying people is an incredible humility. You know, it is so, dying is so intimate. It's it's infinitely more intimate than lovemaking. And there you are in almost like a skeletal body and often bald and helpless. And there is incredible humility in that moment and a powerful, powerful release into being what I said earlier, just an ordinary human being with no pretension, no pride, no illusions of perfectionism. And to just grow, to repeat to ourselves if we have to, I'm an ordinary human being. I have this longing to awaken. I have all these beliefs of unworthiness. I feel like I don't know the how of of awakening. Um, and to just hold the intention that that grace embraces us in our ordinariness. Um, yeah. Let me see. I guess the two biggest things when a person comes close to death that we can we can work on deliberately as as we age and our and our time in this body comes to a close is to open our heart. I mean to really look at where 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 do I keep it closed? You know, to to who who do I withhold my love from? Who, who have I not acknowledged with love? You know, to just recognize that every one of us um, is a suffering human being. If we knew the stories each of us told ourselves about ourselves, you know, our hearts would break open in compassion. And I think to deliberately hold the intention for our heart to open as we age is one of the most powerful transformative practices there is. And, and the other one is, is emptying the mind. St. Saint Augustine talked about our greatest obstruction to, to awakening, which he phrased as, as union, union with God. Our greatest obstruction is our learned ignorance. And that goes back to the letting go you were talking of, Kate. Um, to just watch what arises in these crazy minds of ours and ask, do I really want to continue to believe this? Wow. You know, we're, believe it or not, at the end of our hour, Kathleen, and um, with just 30 seconds left, I would like to give people information about how they might follow your work, um, be in touch with what you're doing. Is there a, a place you would like people to go? Yes, there is. I have a, a website. It's filled with meditations and articles. Um, it's KathleenDowlingSing.com. Uh, and I hope people will come. And I hope anyone who has any questions among your listeners will, will get in touch with me because I'm happy to encourage all of us in in this awakening that, that as I said, is so much more ordinary and more accessible than we think. We're going to end right there. And Kathleen, I, I thank you so much for being a part of our show and for sharing your 
perspective with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kate. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.